And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. This is the Sports Cave. This is your host, Robbie Clark. We will begin our co-host, Zach Rodenbeck, on Thursday. Please excuse me. Um, yeah, tonight's probably going to be a quick episode, y'all. Um, outside the NFL and the NBA, very slow week in sports, essentially. I mean, uh, hockey's going into their all-star break. MLB all-star, all-star Cody Bellinger, we're still waiting for him to get signed. Tim Anderson. Matt Chapman, I mean, there's just so many free agents that are still listed out there that haven't gotten signed yet due to their, A, outrageous, you know, outrageous offers that they want, and B, the fact that most of these players' representatives are Scott Boris. So when you hear that Blake Snell wants nine years, $270 million, although he's a two-time Cy Young winner at the age of 31, that throughout his whole career has had problems with going more than five to six innings, you're not going to get those kind of offers. And Cody Bellinger, who looked just like the MVP Cody Bellinger from his time with the Dodgers, refound him after one year, is looking for all this guaranteed money. It's just not going to happen. Unfortunately, their representative is so strict on trying to get the best for their clients. And unfortunately, they might not get signed until Petra's catcher's report or until they just cave in, which could be whenever. So we're still waiting on that. And the NHL... Like I said, <clears throat> All-Star Week is basically here. I believe there's one game tonight in the NHL before they head off to their All-Star break. Um, one of the big things going is our very own Toronto Maple Leaf, Austin Matthews, scoring his 40th goal of the season. Unbelievable. Congratulations. Uh, there's my father. Welcome back, Dad. Uh, Ryan, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Um, yeah, it's going to be a quicker episode, folks. Like I said, there's no baseball. There's no um, hockey to talk about. So um, let me just make sure we're not completely frozen here on Twitch, as it looks like we are. Um, hmm. Oh, I guess we're live. Let's just go with the punches before apparently I get shut down. <laughs> so let's start off with the NFL, huh? Uh, let's cue the music. <laughs> Well, it's like what I said before the season started. The NFL season has gone by just like that. The snap of a finger. As now, after our conference championship weekend on Sunday, we are now down to the final two teams going to the Super Bowl. And let's start with the first game. Our first game on CBS with Jim Nance and Tony Romo calling the game. You have the 13-4. and four Number one seed, Baltimore Ravens, going up against the 11-6 Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Ryan, you beautiful fucking stud. Thank you for all the bits, buddy. I appreciate it, bud. Thank you very much. Um, seriously, Ryan, you, you know, I love that you always find a way to help me and Marcus out here by sending us bits, but it's really not necessary, dude. Like, I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate my father for doing the same thing because I will not leave you out of the equation as well, Dad. Thank you guys for just donating unnecessary dollars to me and Zachary. Thank you. Um, let's break down this Chiefs-Ravens game, but before we do so, the high life. You dig? <clears throat> Even a dry cough can't stop me from the high life. Cheers. Ah. <sighs> 
delicious. All right. So if you watch this game, immediately you thought that Kansas City was going to run away. <coughs> Excuse me. Run away with this game completely. The first two drives, they end up scoring. Uh, one of them was a touchdown by Travis Kelsey. The other one was a rushing touchdown by uh, Isaiah Pacheco. When you watch the Ravens play that game, defensively, honestly, outside of those two possessions there, they looked really good. They looked like they were having no problem whatsoever after those two uh, first touchdowns by the Chiefs on back-to-back drives. Let's talk about where they were really letting us down. I mean, if you were going for the Ravens, I was going for the Chiefs. The offense for the Baltimore Ravens was the worst it's been all year. Absolutely atrocious. What the hell kind of a game plan was that? You know, and unfortunately, if you don't really dissect the game well and fully watch it, then everyone's going to look at Lamar's numbers here and say, well, it's Lamar Jackson's fault. Lamar had 37 attempts, only completely 20 of them. There's 272 passing yards, a touchdown, an interception, and a uh, fumble. But um, let's be honest here, folks. I'm not going to give Lamar a pass and say that Lamar wasn't the reason why. He definitely deserves some of the blame. I mean, I was watching him throwing uh, screen passes short. Even the ball that he threw to Zay Flowers deep, Zay Flowers eventually got tackled when it could have been an easy touchdown. He underthrew that. How the hell do you go into a game, the AFC Championship game, and run the ball with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill? Anybody want to guess the amount of times? Anybody want to guess? They only ran the ball six times between Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. You're not winning football game by doing that. What a terrible, terrible mistake. You ever hear of a read option? Like, you didn't put Lamar's legs to use outside of him escaping the pocket and gaining yards by then, or even that crazy reception that he had. What a what a crazy sequence of events. When I watched that happen, that ball was getting bad up in the air. I was like, uh-oh, Lamar's going to go get this. And you know what? If he escaped one defender, we're talking about a 25, 30, maybe even a touchdown off of that reception. Unbelievable. But John Harbaugh and the remainder of the coaching staff offensively should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, why do you think the Chiefs won this game, folks? Mahomes is great. 30-39, 241 passing yards, a touchdown, got sacked twice. Look at this. The Chiefs ran the ball. Isaiah Pacheco, 24 carries for 68 yards and a touchdown. And the thing I love about Isaiah Pacheco when he's running the football, my God, does he look like like he's never, like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I guess he attacks the whole aggressively. He just looks like he has something to prove. He looks like everyone's ever doubted him, seeing how he's a seventh-round pick coming out of the University of Rutgers, and he just has something to prove every time he touches the goddamn ball. Unbelievable. Um, and Travis Kelsey is back to being Travis Kelsey. Caught. Every single ball thrown his way. 11 targets, 11 receptions for 116 yards, and one of them was a tremendous catch, I believe, on fourth down. What an unbelievable catch by Travis Kelsey to keep the drive going. He's back. He's back to his old form. We've been waiting for this, and here he is. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, But 
if you're going to ask me what I would give the Ravens performance of the season now, what could have been an A to an A+, I'm giving it to a B- to a C+, and here's why. You know, Lamar knew going into the game against the Texans, the narrative, he's 1-3 in three in his career in the postseason. Thank you, Dad. Thank you very much for the bits. Um, 1-3 heading into the postseason. And when you watch that game against the Houston Texans, it was tied up at the half, and <coughs> the, the, the Ravens' defense was holding their own against the Texans. The, Texans. the Texans' one touchdown they had was based off of special teams, okay? Outside of that, they didn't turn it up until the second half against a young, inexperienced, fraudulent Houston Texans team. For me, it was so easy for me to take the Kansas City Chiefs on the road in Baltimore because the way they dominated the Miami Dolphins, the way they went into Buffalo and never, ever, ever lost sight of beating the Buffalo Bills. And now they're going up against Lamar Jackson, who will be the MVP, which at this point, are we just going to admit that Lamar is like a, uh, you know, I try to think of uh, a player in the NBA that always performs well in the regular season, but not in the postseason, kind of vice versa. Lamar in the regular season is like Jimmy Butler in the postseason. Lamar in the postseason is like Jimmy Butler in the regular season. Just enough to get you by or take a loss here and there. Unfortunately, Lamar, maybe you should look after Jimmy Butler. Have a subpar regular season. Learn to turn it up in the playoffs. Overall, with this game, the Ravens really embarrassed themselves on national television. Let's just call it as it is. Ten points. Let's see when's the last time they've had a point total lower than two touchdowns outside of Week 18 where they sat their starters. The last time. <laughs> Would you look at that? The last time the Ravens scored less then two touchdowns in a game prior to week 18 where they sat their starters. It was in week five against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's over. I don't I don't know if I can ever sit here and tell you going into the season, they, they could bring in T. Higgins and Mike Evans. <coughs> I don't know if I could sit here and tell you that before a season or during a season anymore that I have the Ravens win the Super Bowl as long as Lamar Jackson is their head coach, or is their quarterback. I can't definitively tell you that. Um, so we get the Kansas City Chiefs going back again, and I'm going to put a stop to this right now, after I have a sip of the Miller High Life. All right, NFL fans, listen to me and listen to me good. Can we please... Stop this narrative. Please. Stop it. I'd, he has done great to start off his young career, Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Incredible. Can we stop saying that this guy is arguably the greatest of all time? What the hell are we doing? Stop it. It's so blasphemous. Six to seven years in his career. I get it. They made the AFC Championship every single year. I get it. But my God, 
Am I going to sit here and tell you that Luka Doncic is the greatest of all time and he's had a great start to six, seven years after putting up a 73-point performance, which I will get into later? No! Because he still has many more years to come. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady comparisons are like the Michael Jordan and LeBron James comparisons. What's different between Michael Jordan, LeBron, and Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady? We never got to see Jordan versus LeBron, so we can only speculate. You know what we have seen? Twice in the postseason? Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. You want to say what you want about the Buccaneers game? Okay, maybe Mahomes' offensive line is depleting their drop balls. Okay, that's fine. Tom Brady over the age of 40! On the road! In Kansas City! With laser pointers pointing in his eyes throughout the duration of the game. Went on with Chris Hogan as his number two receiver. And beat the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. Stop this narrative. If you want to say Patrick Mahomes is more skilled than Tom Brady outside of throwing, perfectly fine. You might, you might even be right that he can throw the ball better than Brady. You might be right. However... At the end of the day, it all dictates, I guess, on individualism for those that think that Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT because my GOATs, amongst all the sports, is based off of team winning outside of baseball because baseball is nearly impossible because you're only one of nine guys in a lineup and you're not pitching, okay? Basketball, you play both offense and defense. NFL, Whatever side of the ball you play on, and the offense the one that matters more at the end of the day because that's what puts the points on the board, that dictates the greatest of all time. All right. Michael Jordan was a winner. Tom Brady right now is more of a winner than Patrick Mahomes. Maybe 10, 15 years down the line, we could talk about, you know what, maybe Mahomes has a chance. But for me, maybe it's the bias of me being a Patriots fan. 2-0 and against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. When it mattered the most, the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, Mahomes couldn't get it done. Brady did. Brady got it done when Drew Bledsoe had to take over for him in the AFC Championship game. Started the Super Bowl and still won. Three out of four years, he won a Super Bowl. His first three appearances, undefeated. Let's just stop. Let's stop at that bullshit right now. Let's appreciate what we have with Patrick Mahomes. Let's appreciate that what Patrick Mahomes is doing now is probably what we wish Aaron Rodgers did during his time at the Packers because they were both so skilled. But Rodgers just couldn't get over the hump outside the one Super Bowl. Appreciate what you see with Mahomes, but stop this crazy narrative to give him a bad reputation. Please. Thank you. Okay. That's our AFC Championship game. Uh, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for advancing um, to their third Super Bowl under uh, Mr. Fourth. Fourth now under Mr. Patrick Mahomes. All right. The NFC Championship game in San Francisco. This, this is going to be interesting. Please hold. The Miller High Life. Okay, watching that first half, the Lions were the <coughs> they were the more aggressive team, no doubt about it. 
clearly it showed, right? I mean, there was a point where I believe the score is 21-7, to and they elect to go for it on fourth down. I believe it was fourth and one. They tried to run the ball up the middle, and they got stuffed. I have no problem with that because you're up by, I think it was uh, 14 points at that point. You know, might as well go for it. I'm okay with that. When you got it to fourth and three, and if you kick the field goal, you would have been up, I believe, 10. They like to go for it, and it backfired. And if I'm not mistaken, they had another chance at a field goal, and they didn't go for that neither. <coughs> I, I, I'm a fan of Dan Campbell. You can't put the loss in Jared Goff. You can't put it on the running backs. You can't put it on the receivers because they all showed up. The defense, they look good as well. That game is on the head, shoulders, back, the whole body of Dan Campbell. Single-handedly the reason why the Lions lost this game because of bad situational football and coaching. The other thing, on the last drive, on third down, you elect to run the ball on third down and have to waste the timeout? Dan, what the fuck are you doing, bro? What are you doing? So when they do that, they have to go for it and fourth down, obviously. Do you kick the field goal or you go for it, honestly, at that point, because if you kick the field goal and you recover the onside kick, then you can go for the touchdown. This crazy motherfucker on fourth down still went for the touchdown, and Jameson Williams, who had a hell of a game, first-round pick out of Alabama, tremendous game, made an incredible catch where he was limping towards the sidelines. Incredible. And now it's time for the onside kick. Do you folks know when the last time an onside kick was successful in the postseason? You would have to go back to the Seattle Seahawks against the Green Bay Packers. That's the last time an onside kick was successful. And heading into that onside kick, the Lions were 0-3 on the season in onside kicks. And you know what? Maybe 49ers fans for a second when they kicked that ball and they saw the Lions player touch that football, they're probably like, <gasps> major gasp. But there was no doubt in my mind, A, it was illegal touching, and B, some from the Niners is going to recover it. Now, had you had three timeouts, you could have stopped them all three times, hope for the best for a punt return, essentially, or at least to the 30 or 40-yard line, get 20 to 30 yards, kick the game-tying field goal, and go into overtime. But instead, on third down, you elect to run the football. Now, when you look at Jared Goff's stats here, he had a good game. 25 of 41 for 273. And now I guarantee there are people sitting here saying, well, you just list off Lamar's numbers and Jared Goff's are pretty similar. How could you sit here and say that? You know how many times I counted wide receivers for the Lions dropping perfectly placed passes by Jared Goff? He didn't underthrow him like Lamar did. He didn't overthrow him. They were dropping passes right in their hands into the chest. Jared Goff looked incredible. In my, in my honest opinion, folks, he outplayed Brock Purdy. He looked better than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, the second he started utilizing his legs, is what separated the game between the Lions and the 49ers, escape, escaping the pocket and getting the first downs. That's where Brock Purdy stepped up. Outside of that, Jared Goff, to me, had the better game between the two. And now my heart hurts, folks. I made a seven-leg parlay. Everything hit except for one category. 
I had over for 60 and a half receiving yards for George Kill, and he had 27. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Um, but I'll tell you what. We are two weeks away from the Super Bowl, essentially. And when I'm looking at the way the Chiefs performed versus the way the Niners performed, right now, up until we make our picks, not this upcoming Thursday, the following Thursday, I'm probably all in on the Kansas City Chiefs. If you folks haven't learned now, then allow me to teach y'all something. Just like you never bet against Tom Brady, Tom Brady's out of the league. There's a new quarterback you can't bet against. His name is Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes over Mr. Relevant. I'm going to take the Kansas City, uh, Kansas City Chiefs defense over the Niners, especially as a recent memory. <coughs> I'm going to take Andy Reid over Kyle Shanahan. Tony Spagnuolo was the reason why, essentially, that the Chiefs beat the, the, the Baltimore Ravens with the way he had his defense going out there. We are far ways away from this game. But right now, I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs and saying, yeah, this is probably another Super Bowl for them. Okay. Keeping it in the NFL. Um, I believe I only have one more topic to discuss here in the NFL. Two, as a matter of fact. Please hold. <coughs> All right. Well, it seems like nearly every head coach vacancy is occupied. Um, we still got a couple more that we're still waiting to hear. I believe Washington is one of them, as uh, Ron Rivera was uh, fired. And there might be another one that I'm drawing a blank on. Because I think every other... Oh, Seattle. Seattle's the other one. Um, looks like Dan Quinn is probably going to end up going to Seattle, and it makes complete sense as to why, you know... Pete Carroll's successor, the Legion of Boom, completely makes sense to me if he goes to Seattle and Washington. I don't know what direction they're going to go, but it doesn't look like these two guys are going to end up being the coach of Washington. Maybe maybe one of them, but the other one, definitely not. And I'm talking about Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel. The fact that these guys are still out here just sitting there, I think some of these teams are absolutely insane to go back to, to what they had instead of picking up one of these guys. <laughs> The Cowboys want to run it back with Mike McCarthy. I disagree. I think that they should move on from him, bring in a Vrabel or a Belichick, because I think they have a better chance to win. However, I guess I can understand where Jerry's coming from, because you know what? Three straight seasons of 12-5 and five shouldn't go unnoticed. I get that. I'm going to keep the Cowboys off of here. You guys know how much I love to shit in the Cowboys, but I'm going to keep them off of here. I'm going to call out these other teams for not even thinking about bringing Belichick or Vrabel in for an interview. Even though they already have their head coaches set, the Chicago Bears, both New York Jets and New York Giants. What are you thinking? Seriously. Honestly, like, I like Robert Sala, and I think Brian Dable has been great outside of obviously the second year. But with the roster constructed for the Jets, and hell, even the Bears, great defenses, both of them. Then you bring in Josh McDaniels on the Belichick side, who's won multiple Super Bowls as the offensive coordinator. You mean to tell me that doesn't intrigue you one bit? Really? Is it an ego thing? 
I mean, especially for the Jets, I mean, they went all in for Aaron Rodgers, right? You don't think Aaron Rodgers in heartbeat would say, all right, you know what? Let's get rid of Salah. Go ahead. It's going to hurt me. Get rid of Hackett. But let's bring in Belichick and whatever he wants. They have such an admirational amount of respect for each other. Could you imagine Aaron Rodgers and Bill Belichick together? Holy shit. Would they be a way better ball club? Way better. But instead, Bill Belichick will probably end up working at Fox Sports with Tom Brady, Edelman, and Gronk. And Vrabel is to be determined. But I think it is insane that right now we are looking, heading into the offseason, without these two having a head coaching job. Blows my mind. Completely unbelievable. I don't get it. Maybe these maybe these teams see something that we don't see. Maybe they're sticking with the whole, well, Belichick is nothing without Tom Brady. And maybe they're sticking with, well, the only reason Mike Vrabel was good for so long is because of the dominance of King Henry. I don't know. But if you ask me, if I was the Jets, if I was the Giants, if I was the Bears, if I was the Jaguars, if I was the Cowboys, if I was the Eagles... I probably really reconsider my decision and get it on the phone and saying, okay, think we overthought it here. We want you. We want you bad. To both Vrabel and Belichick. But we'll see what happens. I don't think Belichick is washed. I think he cho- I think the only reason he interviewed for the Falcons job is number one, they were in a very easy division. And number two, because of that being such an easy division, he's going to accumulate his wins to pass down Shula. He'll wait for the Ray opportunity. That's what Sean Payton did. We'll see. Okay. And now, folks, we'll talk a little bit of NBA as it's been a very slow week in sports, and it's going to be like this with uh, with the football season coming to an end. This Thursday will be our first Thursday without making any picks. So uh, the end is near, folks. The end is near. All right. So... <laughs> Just as I get off talking with y'all last Thursday about Joel Embiid putting up 70 and Carlton Towns putting up 62, Luka Doncic, holy shit, holy motherfucking shit, <coughs> you have to be living under a rock if you didn't see what this guy did, you have to be under a rock, 70 Three points, and you know it's not even that 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 surprises me because this guy's put up sixty in his career. These other numbers can't go unnoticed with the seventy three points. You cannot let it slide past you. Seventy three points, ten rebounds. He had a double double as a point guard, and he almost had a triple double. Seven. Assists. What? That is absurd. That is not human. There's no one that's ever done that. 70 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. No one. Wilt? No. Dame? No. Embiid? No. Kobe? No. Very unpopular opinion. I'll get a lot of backlash out of this. I've already discussed this off the air with some friends, and now I have the opportunity to say it on air. Luka Doncic's 
73 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists on 25 of 33 shooting from the field, 8 of 13 from 3, 15 of 16 from the free throw line, is a game I wish I saw because it is the greatest single game by any player in one game in the history of the NBA. Don't give me this shit about their zero defense. Don't give me this, this whole thing of there's more possessions, more times to shoot the ball. Folks, I told you when Embiid put up 70 and he had five assists, how crazy that is. Luka is a point guard grabbing 10 rebounds, which I get it. He can average a triple-double. I get it. But it can't go unnoticed after 73 fucking points. It's the greatest performance by a player in one game in NBA history, and I'm going to stick by that. And maybe somebody surpasses him, because you know what? We see Carlton Towns go for 62 and beat for 70. This guy for 73. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Ben Simmons do the same thing, right? Well, that's the next topic of discussion. Ben Simmons is officially back for the Brooklyn Nets. Pretty sure if you saw here Thursday my tirade about the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not here to talk about the Brooklyn Nets this whole episode. But what I will say is this. Do they need him? Okay, Ben Simmons is not the score that he was his first two years in the NBA, and he's not really known for that. What can he do to help this basketball team out? Let alone the Brooklyn Nets. Any team that looks at this Ben Simmons guy should look at these following things. Number one, he could guard one through five. Number two, he plays fantastic defense. Number three, he pushes the pace, and when he was playing, the Nets had the highest offensive rating off of the fast break because of Ben Simmons. Number four, his basketball IQ is at an elite level. And number five, his playmaking. Four out of those five things is what the Brooklyn Nets are missing. They could really use that. And a lot of teams could use that too. So with the trade deadline shortly approaching, if they do plan on building around Cam Thomas and Mikel Bridges, they should see what kind of offers they potentially get for Ben Simmons. And if it's too low, if you're not getting at least two first-round picks, because Dorian Finney-Smith isn't worth two first-round picks. Ben Simmons is at least. Let's see what this guy could do. All right. Keeping it in New York, this one stinks. Julius Randle ends up leaving the game early on Sunday, I believe, Sunday or Saturday, over the weekend we'll go with, with a shoulder injury where he was helped to the back of the locker room. <coughs> it appears it could be a dislocated shoulder, which could potentially require surgery, which they're trying to avoid because if surgery is to, have, to be had, he'll be missing months. Compared to if there's no surgery, it's only weeks. What a devastating injury for the New York Knicks. They are playing their absolute best brand of basketball since they had Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire. And an injury like this is so detrimental for the New York Knicks, and it's another one to add to the list. Mitchell Robinson's out for the year. Randall's now hurt. It's really a good thing now that they brought in OG Ananobi because he's made a significant difference. As much as they loved R.J. Barrett and how solid of a player he was, OG's took it to a whole new whole new level. So now if you ask me, the Knicks need to play desperate here. The Knicks need to make a splash at the deadline. I'm not saying they need to bring in a Zach Levine. I'm not saying they need to bring in a Mikel Bridges. I saw a crazy thing today where they was it was like Evan Fournier and Quentin Grimes for five and five first round picks for Mikel Bridges. I don't think they need to go that crazy. But someone like a Jordan Clarkson or Malcolm Brogdon, because you're going to miss those 25 to 30 points per game by Julius Randle, and you're going to need someone to fill in for him to do that. Josh Hart's not going to do that on a consistent basis. Neither is Dante DiVincenzo. You need to bring in a score, a Clarkson, 
a, uh, a Zach Levine, if you could, or a Malcolm Brogdon. Terrible, terrible injury, and we're hoping Julius Randle gets back out there soon. All right. A little bit of college hoops, and then, folks, that's it for today's episode. Very, very short week, as I continue to mention here. Well, I never understood what this whole thing was going on on Twitter. And then I had to look into it and see what the fuck Ed Cooley did to Providence. All Ed Cooley did was say that he needs a fresh start, he wants to try somewhere else, and he left Providence to go join Georgetown. Georgetown has been kind of irrelevant ever since... Patrick Ewing and Allen Iverson after them. It's been pretty irrelevant. Nothing spectacular coming out of that university. And he's hoping to change things around. (coughs) If you remember, I said before the season that they should have brought in Jay Williams. This is going to be their first year under Ed Cooley. So, you know, who who knows what's to be expected in the next couple years at Georgetown. But Providence, holy shit. You know, I, I have a coworker that told me he was like, you know, I, I almost got into a fight with them because the fans are really nasty. They're disgusting. I'm thinking to myself, are you, are you sure about that? Like, I don't see anything wrong. Well, I could see what he was talking about. Those fans are absolutely fucking psycho. Why would you ever give that dude a reception like that? Why would you ever be that vulgar and insane because he wanted a, a, a new slate, a new start? Holy shit. And... Providence did end up beating Georgetown, fortunately, because I was really hoping Georgetown won that game after that. But, damn. Wow. Providence fans, ruthless. Ruthless, I tell you. All right. We're going to go through the top 25 teams here in the men's college hoops. And by the way, folks, we're almost next time we're going to be live, this Thursday will be February. February. You know what that means? In February, we're going to be nearly a month a month away from March Madness. It's almost here. So get ready. Start doing your studying now. Now, the top 25 teams go as such. Let's mention the two teams that were dropped from the rankings. That would be number 19, Memphis, and number 24, Colorado State. They are now out of the top 25. In the top 25 here, TCU 25. Alabama, 24. Oklahoma goes down 12 spots from number 11 to number 23. Who are their losses against? I'm curious. They end up losing to Texas Tech and Texas, so they lost back-to-back games. All right. Uh, Oklahoma, 23. BYU is number 22. Dayton is number 21. Steph Curry made Dayton, if we're going to be honest here, folks. Dayton was absolutely fucking nothing. Nothing. And Steph Curry comes in. And th- this team's been around the rankings ever since then. I mean, they also had Obi Top, let's not forget, too. Uh, number 20, Florida Atlantic. New Mexico goes from number 25 to number 19. They go up six spots here. Uh, dropping down three spots is Baylor at number 18. Utah State at 17. Auburn goes down from number 8 to number 16. Texas Tech jumps up five spots from 20 to 15. Illinois goes from 10 to 14. Creighton goes up four spots to number 13. Iowa State looks like jumped the most. They jumped up 11 spots. They were 23. They're now number 12. Uh, Arizona drops out of the top 10. They're number 11. Kentucky goes to number 10. Marquette jumps up five spots to number nine. Kansas drops one spot to uh, to eight. Duke is back in the top 10 somehow. They are back in at number seven. Wisconsin jumps up to number six. And the top five remain the same 
Tennessee, Houston, North Carolina, Purdue, and the U-C-O-N-N, UConn, UConn, UConn Huskies. Let's fucking go. Um, as it pertains to Houston, you know, when you look at their, their schedule throughout the season thus far, their toughest matchup essentially was, you can go with either Iowa State, Texas Tech, BYU, I mean, nothing crazy. Well, they got a couple matchups because tonight they're facing off against Texas, and on Saturday they're at Kansas. So good luck, Houston. It's time for you to prove yourselves. All right. Well, I wish there was more to talk about, and I wish I had a Zach Rowan with me. But Zach Roden will be back here on Thursday, folks. I want to thank you all for tuning in for this very short edition of the Sports Cave. Hopefully, we'll see Blake Snell get signed, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, uh, Tim Anderson, amongst many others that are still out there. Um, we'll see what's going across the NBA. We'll see if there's anything breaking out in the NFL. But until then, motherfuckers, we'll see you back here on Thursday. So, with that, with that being, being said, said, we want to thank, thank you. you. And by we, I mean I, since it's me, myself, myself, and I. And I. Thank, Thank you, you all, all for tuning in to another, to another episode, episode of the Sports Cave. And, and Zach, Zach will be, be back this Thursday. Thursday. So don't, don't miss, miss it. it. This, this Thursday, Thursday, the Sports, Sports Cave, Cave live, live on, on Twitch, Twitch 6.30. But, but until then, stay, stay sexy, sexy Sports, Sports Cave. Cave.